Hello and welcome to the Catalyst podcast. My name is Ken Valady, partner and co-founder at Progressive, and this is a podcast series about the power of startup corporate partnerships and how, if carefully managed, they can become a true catalyst for change for the future. Every episode, I will interview either a startup founder or an industry leader who have experienced the benefits of these partnerships firsthand and are willing to discuss and share their key learnings and insights. This week, I'm really pleased to be speaking to Amy Williams, who is the co-founder and CEO at Goodloop. Amy, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. So to kick off, Amy, can you just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and Goodloop? Yeah, of course. So I started Goodloop about four years ago, just under four years ago. And before that, I was working in advertising at Ogilvy, so sort of creative strategic advertising. I started my business because I wanted to apply some positivity and some purpose to the media industry. Media is typically 90% of a brand's budget, but it's often the place where most of the friction and the negativity is felt between a brand and a person, right? Like 30% of people globally are ad blocking and the ones that don't ad block resent when they have to be forced to engage with an advertiser. So we're all about bringing positivity and purpose to media. With that mission in mind, we've built a platform that enables brands and consumers to connect in exchange for free donations to fund amazing causes around the world. Okay, so what companies have you already worked with and and how developed are these relationships, partnerships becoming? I mean, it's, it's evolved a lot. Over the past couple of years, we started really working with my mate's company who gave us, I think it was 150 quid to run some ads on a couple of London blogs. And that was my first ever customer. And that was amazing. And then, you know, over the last few years, we've really started to work with bigger corporate brands, household names. Uh, Unilever was one of our first ever customers and that really gave us a bit of PR, a bit of momentum, a bit of credibility and from that it kind of snowballed to other FMCG brands. We've worked with Pepsi, we've worked with Coke, we've worked with H&M and fashion, we've gone into entertainment with NBC Universal. So a whole host of different brands across a range of sectors really and also across a range of geographies which is really nice. So from initially working for £150 to now working with some huge household names. I imagine this took you by surprise, the speed of the evolution from a bit of bootstrapping at the start to get the thing moving to now having some really, really credible relationships. I mean, it's a weird. I feel like it's a weird one because it's also incredibly long. <laughs> like it's taken such a hard slog and it feels like every step has been such a momentous move forwards. And, and it's easy to look back now and be like, wow, you know, we work with all these amazing brands, but each one has been such a, um, you know, its own mountain to climb and understanding the complexities of these big global brands and fitting our ethical proposition into, you know, help solve their problems has always been a really kind of moving target so yeah I think it has it has been like a whirlwind ride and I'm incredibly proud of the growth that we've seen but I also feel like there's still a huge amount ahead of us and and with that ethical focus which you base everything on do you find uh, being B Corp certified has helped Where, where has that taken you yeah the B Corp thing is interesting we considered it 
from the beginning, really, B Corp is really all about cementing ethical principles into your business practices. So you literally have to change your articles of association to say that your responsibility as the C-suite, as the leadership of the business, your responsibility is both to shareholders and to society. And that shift in responsibility, fundamentally, it really changes some key decisions that you make. And you look at things like your carbon footprint and your workforce and how you treat your team and how you how you treat your workers rights and 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 how you handle diversity and inclusion and all the spectrum of the business and the many different spheres of influence that your company has so it's quite a a big ask we put it on hold for the first couple of years just because we were a small team and we needed to prioritize growth but it did feel like we started talking to bigger investors we started looking at accelerating the pace of growth and, and going into more international markets and I really wanted to get some of those ethical foundations in before we grew so big that we'd then have to retrofit it you know we committed to get it done last year it took us about three four months through the process and we certified as a b corporation end of last year end of 2019 it's been an interesting one like i think it's more useful in terms of reflection internally and also recruitment i've had a lot of great talent interested in working for us because Goodloop is a B Corp. Mm. The bigger corporates are increasingly interested in it and I think they're quite proud to partner with B Corps, but they are still very much on the journey to becoming them. Yeah, like Danone is a B Corp in some markets and that I think is the biggest B Corp in the world. And then you have things like Patagonia, who are, uh, you know, obviously an amazing purpose-driven brand who've really spearheaded B Corp. And Havas, Havas are the world's first ad agency to become B Corp. And now we're talking with Havas about potentially partnering in in LATAM, in the US, and working together just because our our messages are so nicely aligned. So it certainly has opened up opportunities, but it's it's a lot of work. And I think big corporates are inevitably going to be slower to adopt that. And hearing that, I, I now understand even more what you were saying in the previous question about how each relationship has its kind of challenges and you it takes time to, to build the relationships because you're not just saying here is a product that can help you with said problem. There's a bigger commitment that's required from the, the corporate side. Yeah, I always feel like our company is both incredibly simple and incredibly complex. On the one side, it's really simple because ultimately, if people choose to watch your ad, you then unlock a free donation and give it to a charity. It's mm. just a engage to donate proposition. It scales across you know any website in the world and social channels and so any brand can plug in and start using our ethical ads without any new creative or any special tech integrations so on the one side it's very easy but then you also have to think about well what charities are we going to feature what causes should this brand give to what social environmental and cultural issues are most relevant to this target audience and and also what can this brand authentically have an impact on you don't want it to seem like greenwashing you don't want it to seem insincere and it has to come from a place where consumers feel like it's meaningfully making a difference and i think that conversation around purpose is evolving from talk to action and good loop is all about putting your money where your mouth is and so there is quite a big piece of strategic thinking that we do with our clients to make sure that we're really adding value so the next question I have, Amy, is if, if we kind of take a couple of steps back, and this is a question that I ask a lot of my guests, taking into account the unique experiences you've had with corporates you've worked with, do you feel there is anything that corporates generally, when working with startups like yourself, could do differently? And and before you think about answering that one, on the flip side, do you think there's 
key things that startups can do differently? For sure, there's both both parties could do better. I'd say on the corporate side, to give a positive spin on that answer, I've seen some corporations really cleverly focus in on how they can get something live quickly. Like, where's the low-hanging fruit? Um, an example of this is when I worked with the Foundry, so Unilever's innovation team. They are a team specifically built within the heart of Unilever to help startups integrate. So they have this very innovative approach to bringing startups into the into the big corporation. And their guidance for me when I first started speaking to them about Goodloop was don't talk to the global team. It's tempting because they're the big budgets and that's where the big decisions are made, the big strategic conversations happen. But go to the local team, go to the local UK office and find someone ambitious with a little bit of budget and a little bit of freedom who can just get, you know, a couple of grand, a couple of small little campaigns off the ground, get some stats, get some case studies and then come back to the global team and you'll have so much more weight and confidence. And that sort of almost like finding a little back door to get into the big house, that approach really worked for us. So we went to the Leatherhead team who run the UK Unilever operation. We found an amazing partner in NOR, the the Stock Cubes and Soups brand. And we ran a campaign with them at the end of 2017, where every time somebody watched their ad, they could donate to local food banks and soup kitchens. So it was super aligned with the product. It was a really small little case study, but it had amazing results. And then we could go back to the foundry team, case study in hand and say, we're ready to start talking to some more now. Help us knock down a few more back doors, as it were. That approach, I think, is much less glamorous. It's never going to be the big headline-grabbing global partnership, but it's more pragmatic and that low-hanging fruit, even though for a corporate it can seem kind of small and and unsexy, for a startup it's the lifeblood of a small business. And, you know, for us that £1,000 deal with Unilever was a make-or-break moment. And I think that that can also apply on the startup side. You know, set your sights in a very focused way. Have a really, really clear ask with a really specific customer that you want to talk to. Know exactly what you want to achieve. And that 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 clarity and focus is crucial because corporates can pull you in a million directions at once and they've all got ideas and it's all well-meaning, but it's quite distracting and can be quite dangerous for a small business. The question I have kind of going back a bit then is with all this complication and with all this challenge that is involved between a startup and a corporate working together, where do you see the landscape at the moment? Because do you see more corporates and startups working together because of the benefits and because they see other people and other peers doing it? Or do you feel that it's not happening as frequently as it should? I'd say that it's maturing I think when I first started talking to corporates, there was a lot of showmanship. There was a lot of good-natured fun. And, you know, you had the speed dating events or the Tinder events where you'd, like, swipe right on a startup. And I remember a particular pitch event I did for an unnamed corporate where it was all sea-themed and I had to pitch on stage for three minutes and then there was the Jaws soundtrack if I went over time. And you you just hear these, like... CEOs of companies desperately trying to get their business off the ground to the soundtrack of like da 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 da. It's like it was all fun and games, but it did feel a bit like it, we weren't being taken seriously. And and I think that 
has matured to a place where startups are talking to fewer corporates and corporates are opening the door to fewer startups, but the relationships are more thoughtfully considered and once validated are actually starting to scale. And that's something I found, you know, personally within some of the corporates is they've stopped seeing the win as, oh, we worked with a startup once. That's almost a fail. The win is we worked with a startup here and now six months later, we've applied it across these other seven business areas. And so the scale element has become a key focus for them in terms of success metric. And that has really shifted how they work with us. The final question I'd like to ask Amy has two parts to it. The first part is taking everything into account, and we've discussed quite a lot in the last in 15 minutes or so, taking everything into account and your experiences to date and your views on, on working with, with corporates. What was one, the key learning for you? If someone said to you now, what's the biggest learning you've had so far on this journey? And question two, if we have corporates listening to this episode, what would you say are the three main benefits that corporations can get from starting to engage and work with startups? I've I've learned so much over a multitude of mistakes uh, along the way. I've definitely become more humble and had a greater appreciation for how much you can learn by listening. There's a real temptation when you live and breathe your product and your business and it is everything you think about in the day and it's so obviously perfect that everybody must be as excited as you are it's so tempting to go into a meeting you know screaming from the rooftops about how great you are and you don't come away from that meeting with any new information So I've really learned the value of listening, the value of giving the corporate in the room space to tell you about their business, space to explain the problems that their business is facing and just like take a bit more of a beat to understand who you're speaking to. That's something that I've really refined and, and, and worked on over the last few years. And I think that that's, that's actually led to much deeper relationships between Goodloop and some of our main, our main customers. So on the other side, the benefit that corporates gain from working with startups, well, I'd say first and foremost is speed and agility. You know, I have a tech team sat in Scotland in an office right now working on our product on monthly sprints, iterating and improving based on what we're learning from the market. And that just dedication of resource and that dedication of talent is something that is super, super valuable. I'd also say that we are a really interesting reflection of the trends and how they're shaping the future, right? Like, it's crazy to kind of think that the Uber was once a startup and the Airbnb was once a startup and they have entirely changed society. They've entirely changed how we live our lives and how we think about ownership and how we how we interact with, with services. And so startups today are the, are the corporates of tomorrow and taking time to hear what's driving us to, to create our innovations? What are the trends that we identified as, as entrepreneurs that made us feel there was a gap or an opportunity? Because I, I do think that there's, I used to work in the corporate world. I know that there's there's a lot of deadlines and time pressure and everything is, is moving at a pace. And it's very hard sometimes to look up from that and to see the bigger picture. So entrepreneurs are a shortcut to do that for you. 
So in, in effect, you're saying that the two benefits for corporates, one is this speed and agility. And the other one is there is a danger sometimes in the corporate world. Your head is so focused on the here and now of today that you forget to look at the horizon and what's coming up. And startups, because they live on that horizon without sounding corny, they, they can see trends and gaps developing that maybe bigger corporations don't have the time to be able to see. I think so, definitely. I mean, from my perspective, I was working on big global brands at Ogilvy and I was just seeing this purpose thing coming up a lot. Lots of brands were talking about purpose and no one really knew what it meant back then or how to do it. But, you know, there was this big study that came out in 2015 that showed Unilever sustainable brands grew 50% faster than the rest of their business. And for me, that was such a turning point. That felt so substantial. That felt like... We have this first glimmer of evidence that you can sell more soap by doing good in the world. And if you can sell more soap, you can also sell more airline tickets and more festivals and more clothes and all the other brands are going to galvanise around this trend. And I wanted to be at the heart of that and I wanted to help purpose scale. And so Goodloop was driven by, by a trend that corporates are now you know, really, really intensely involved in and, and, and especially as the world recovers from, from COVID-19 and, and starts to sort of emerge from that, I think that brands that have social values, those are the brands that are going to last. Brilliant. Fully get that, Amy. I've really enjoyed our conversation. And most of all, I really appreciate your honesty. I think, you know, we could have gone on for a lot longer there. You were very open. And I think you had some really, really key, honest insights to this whole question of the corporate startup partnership so thank you very much welcome to the part of the show where we look to answer a question from one of our listeners this week we have a question from rebecca who is a co-founder in nottingham and rebecca's question is do you have any tips for dealing with multiple stakeholders within a corporation so, Amy, this is a really interesting question from Rebecca. In light of what you were saying earlier in our conversation, it'd be really interesting to get some really top-line pieces of advice for Rebecca in terms of how you deal with multiple stakeholders within a big corporation. Sure. So managing stakeholders is a really important and difficult part of this process. I've learned two main things, I'd say. The first is make your point of entry your internal champion. Often big corporates will have a person or even a team who are dedicated to connecting startups and corporates. And that team will be on your side by the virtue of them being an innovation team. But you need to build trust, build a mutual respect, and you need to also give them the resources and tools so that they can share information about your company in a really accurate and easy way. You know, I literally would write the two sentence description of what Good Loop is for them so that they can just really e easily email the 10 people in the business who I, who I would love to, to meet and speak with. The second thing I've learned is that once you do get that meeting with the right people, as quickly as possible, understand the drivers and incentives behind who's at the table, what they are looking to achieve from this. And I have a a personal example of this, we worked with Nestle running a campaign for KitKat. It was a brilliant campaign. We were all super proud of it. It was about every time you engage with KitKat advertising, the user could fund a sustainable cocoa farming initiative in Sierra Leone. So it was this really lovely way for KitKat advertising to fund farming communities at the end of their supply chain. It was 
really positive story. We had school kits, we had veg kits for female farmers, like all this great stuff. But it meant that around the table, we didn't just have KitKat marketing team, but we also had the Nestle PR team. We also had the Cocoa Plan sustainability team. And they all came with different incentives and, and different priorities. So trying to get all of that really clear was crucial to getting that project across the line. Thanks, Amy. That was a great answer. I think there's some great insights there for anyone who is looking to work with a large corporation and is questioning the whole strategy to adopt when it comes to multiple stakeholders. So thanks, Amy. I really appreciate your insight there. If you have a question that you would like to ask, please email me at ken at this is progressive. And each episode, we will look to pick one to two questions to discuss live with our chosen guest. So thank you very much again, Amy, for your time today. I, I really, really enjoyed our conversation. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. If you want to contact Amy and find out more about Good Loop, full details can be found in the notes this episode. That's it for this episode. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe to this series and please rate us and leave a review on your chosen podcast platform. All contributions are very much appreciated. Thank you. <laughs>